Off the ball. GAA. I just ran and I ran and I ran. How long did that last? Months? My whole career. Right. Yeah, I did a massive chip on my shoulder. Right. Off the ball. Join in the obsession. Subscribe now at offtheball.com forward slash join. Right, we have a special treat for you now as part of our roadshow from last August, which was part of the Cork Podcast Festival at the Cork Opera House. Myself and Tommy Rooney got the opportunity to sit down with one of the most legendary figures of Cork sport. It was the one and only Jimmy Barry Murphy. And you can listen to this full thing now for free and you can become an off-the-ball member for great content like this all year round at offtheball.com forward slash join. Jimmy, you're very welcome. Thank you very You're much. at home. Yeah, uh, Def. How, how are things? Very good, thanks. All yeah. good. You're keeping busy with the club at the minute? Yeah, I'm involved in my own club, underage level, mine hurling especially, give them a hand out, but uh, I'm only on the fringe now, not in charge anymore. Yeah, yeah, but it's nice to be involved. I love it, yeah. I love seeing young players coming through, love watching all the Cork games, hurling and football, and I'm a big sports fan, and you go, you see Cork City playing regularly, and I go to as many matches as I can locally, so pretty yeah. much into all sports. It's kind of a hard buzz to let go of, I'd imagine. Yeah, it, is, it becomes a bit of a drug, especially when I was playing with Cork for so long and then managing Cork, especially back in 99, as you said, there with Sean Ogan, all those great lads. And then I came back in 2012. And it does become a bit of a drug. You think that maybe they can manage it out you, but they really can. And so I found out after. And, uh, but I, I'm still a great fan of Cork teams everywhere, yeah. Yeah, we've some Cork legends as well coming up later on and we rolled the tape there. The Cork sporting heritage is unbelievable. Like there's so many great players across different codes and phenomenal athletes that have done unbelievable things. When you were a fan and a, as a fan now, what did you uh, like as a sports fan? Like what got you out of your seat? What did you recognise as greatness in a, in a player and an athlete? Well, I suppose from my own point of view, I'm, I'm, I have to be honest here, I'm very parochial. I'm particularly where Cork people are involved over the years. I take great pride in them and I'd be hugely fa- huge fan of like, like Sanyo Sullivan, for example, over the years, took great pride in her performances and a couple of times she was lost out on medals. It was heartbreaking for her, but she bounced back and, you know, following people like Sanya and watching Roy Keane, Dennis Irwin play with Man United, bringing great glory to Cork and great ambassadors for the sport and, you know, people like that. And uh, just oh, Rob Heffern, another example of people I just got to know over the years, meeting them around town and all that. And I'd just be huge, I'm just a huge fan of Cork people and yeah. Cork sports people. <laughs> you can tell. I'm not, I'm not a bit biased, obviously. Yeah, no, you can tell. You can tell. And Ron O'Gar, of course, I met Ron and lived out my side of town and was meeting quite a bit as well. And, uh, you know, it was just great to see him doing so well with La Rochelle this year, the last couple of years again as well, you know. Yeah. What do you, um, what do you rate as the most important skill in a hurler? Uh, it's, the game has changed quite a lot over the years since I was playing and managing. Limerick have certainly brought it to a new level now with the, the intensity of the game they're playing and the, the level of skill they're showing. So, But we have great hurlers in Cork again. I'm sure it'll be only a matter of time before we'll bounce back on top of Limerick, hopefully, in the next couple of years. Yeah. But I think the skill level in hurling is fantastic the last couple of years. And I must say, I was blown away by the scores that Limerick got in the All-Ireland final in Croke Park this year. The skill level and the accuracy. I mean, there's a couple of players playing with them who you'd pay any day to see, like Kane Lynch and Kyle Hayes and these guys. You know, they've brought it to a huge level now. The accuracy, the fitness levels, and the skill of the of the hurling. The actual skill is fantastic. I think in the game. Do you think the skill has gone up? I think it has. The conditions have improved. Pitches are better. The slitter is probably lighter. Um, you know, players are obviously doing more gym work. I never saw the inside of a gym in my life. So <laughs> I obviously lads are doing great gym programs. I'm saying, what's that? <laughs> I literally never saw the inside of a gym in my life. Wow. So, but I got, away, I got away with it a bit anyway, I think. Yeah. 
Do you I, heard, I heard you weren't a fan of the laps either. A little birdie told me yeah. that up there. <laughs> No, I never, I never saw the point of killing myself running around the field. We might talk. <laughs> in training, anyway. <laughs> Did you think there was an overemphasis on that sort of stuff when you came in, certainly in, in the 2010s in, in modern Gaelic games? They, they develop intensely into physical training on that. Yeah. Well, I think, I think it, it can, certain teams are obsessed with it now because they look at Limerick and they're a huge, powerful team. And when you see them, everything's have got to match that. But you don't really. You've got to get to a certain level of fitness. And if, generally, if you're good enough, you will come through. And I think that, um, you know, Limerick have got a few very close calls the last couple of years as well. It's not as if they're annihilating teams, but they're fantastic outfit and uh, they're the team to beat and certainly have set a very high standard. Do you enjoy watching football? I do, yeah, quite a bit, yeah. Some games I, I don't enjoy because of the, the defensive setups and the formations, but I must say I thought the two All-Ireland semi-finals this year were brilliant games. I thought the All-Ireland final, Kerry in Dublin, was a very good game. I loved it. And uh, it was just, you know... I think this is, when it gets to Croke Park, I think it opens up the the standard of play is better. The two semi-finals are good games, as I said. And I thought that, um, you know, a fantastic achievement by Dublin to for those three players in particular to win their ninth yeah. All-Ireland medal was incredible. It is remarkable, really like, yeah. Really remarkable, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Last one on this. What gets you at your seat as a fan when you're watching football? <laughs> at the moment, not a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I talk around in my seat too often when if I talk about my big carry with last minute goal I'd be out of my seat fairly lively. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, Jimmy, there's uh, a reason why we played people on video saying lovely things about you while you were side stage rather than sitting there. I think that's probably the way you would have preferred it as well. I think when it comes to taking a compliment or to people saying nice things about you, I think you're one of the most modest people that we've seen in Gaelic games. I I'm wondering, is that something you've always had in your life when you were growing up as uh, a very, very talented underage player? Was that something you deliberately had to work on or <laughs> is, is this JBM the, the way he's always been? I don't think I'm that modest. Uh, <laughs> we, we all like a bit of praise and when I'm having a pint and someone buys me a pint because I got a goal 20 years ago, I think they're great. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not that modest. <laughs> But uh, no, but in, gen in general, I just like, um, I, I love when, obviously when Roy Keane passed the comment and Sean Oak and Ron O'Gara, it's very, it's a lovely thing to hear. Um, I never practiced that being anything, it just was what I was always. I played hurling in, or football on a Sunday, I had to go to work on a Monday and um, I always kind of maintain a certain level of uh, balance in relation to my life and work and, and sport. I tried to keep it always in perspective. I wasn't a professional, but I was, you know, working as well in a day job and I had to pay the mortgage. So it's always always myself. I never tried to be anti, I wasn't. Sure. I, I did read an interview with Billy Morgan years ago where he said that he was at a game where you were playing an under-16 county final and he bumped into your father and he was hiding behind a shed <laughs> in order for you to not see him uh, at the game. Uh, was that like a common thread throughout? Uh, I suppose like a, a lot of young lads when you're growing up, you don't want to <laughs> think they're alone looking at you and uh, maybe he was, I don't really know. Billy told me that story before, right? Because <laughs> yeah. it's interesting, I guess it, it's probably two sides of the same coin, right? Where if you can try and shut out all the praise and what that might do for the ego, it probably works quite well when it comes to criticism as well. And I guess building up that thick skin is probably all the same as not letting praise go to the head? Yeah, I don't, you know, players, we're all, as a player or manager, you're very sensitive about criticism. And I think, you know, the way 
technology has gone nowadays with social media, Instagram and all that. I, I, it's very hard for players, I think, and if you're into that kind of stuff and you're going to read it, you're going to get plenty of stick. As I know, when I was playing and managing Cork, I got, I got plenty of stick, certainly, particularly in Cork on a, on a Monday if you lose a big game. People don't spare you, I think, in fairness, you know. Could and, you avoid uh, it? Did I avoid it? Could, no, could you avoid it? Well, I, I was, I'm not in social media anyway, so I was, yeah. it's, only, it's only developed over the last five or six mm. years. I wouldn't be into that kind of stuff at all. But uh, you certainly know when you grow up, people, if people are so disappointed of Cork play bad, you get plenty of criticism. And I, everybody thinks now that I was a great fellow and all this and all earns, but yeah. I got plenty of criticism as well when I was playing and managing Cork. You know? Yeah, well, the early or the mid 90s wasn't really any, an easy spell. Do you know when we look back on that for Cork, it had been. A little while since they'd won in All-Ireland? Yeah, my first couple of years as manager of Cork, I look back on it now and uh, it was a really tough time. I, I walked into it very naively. I, didn't, I was, I was uh, very green. I didn't know what I was doing. It's embarrassing. I look back at some of the things I was trying to do. Really? But, yeah. So we were, um, luckily enough then, I, I, a good group of young players came together and we worked together and the result was a great win in 99. And that team went on then to be a fabulous team over the next seven or eight years for Cork. You know? Would I be right in saying that <clears throat> when you retired from Cork Hurling in 86, did you get involved in, as a minor selector quite early? Did you get straight in? No, I, I coached my own club, St. Finn Maris Minor Hurlers, for a couple of years. And, and then, I got involved with Cork Minors. Around 94, 95? Yeah. And that would have been the backbone of that team in 1999. Exactly. Really. We won the minor All-Ireland in 94 and then 95, and then we kicked on from that. They all yeah. went on to win a good few All-Irelands. You timed it well? Not too bad, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Timing is everything in life. <laughs> So they keep telling me anyway. There must have been great patience shown at you at that time, though, after 96, 97, just to have the belief that, that you were the right man for the job to, to lead Cork into the late 90s and to eventually get over the line in 99. Yeah, I got great support from the county board officials and all that, even though it was a tough time. They, they knew that we were developing, building a young team, and it, was take, it takes time. And I think the present Cork team are in the same situation now with Pat Ryan taking over. I think it's a very similar situation to that. There are a lot of good young players coming through um, that will be huge success for Cork over the next couple of years, I believe. Did you know that they were going to get over the line in 96, 97? Did, did you still have that belief after well, the top I, I, I certainly believed it because we had a couple of fantastic young players coming through. Um, Joe Dean, Sean Ogohalpine, Don Lokusik, you know, I can go on and list them all. Um, Sean McGraw, all these lads. But we had a base of a, a couple of outstanding players who were established as well. And the key man, of course, was Brian Crocker, who was a phenomenal player for us. And uh, I remember saying around 96 or 7 that if I was to manage Cork over the next five or six years and Brian hadn't won a hurling All-Ireland, it would be a travesty because of the fabulous player he was and the kind of character he was. And luckily enough, we got there in 99 and I was lucky to be part of that. Yeah. You've, I don't want to throw quotes from you from before, but you spoke about it being the greatest uh, sporting achievement of your career, that coaching Cork to All-Ireland in 99. Did you say that the week after the All-Ireland final in 99 or when did you say that? I said it on the minute after the match. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was so relieved. Someone said, yeah. is, that the, is that the best thing in your, uh, your career? I said, it's the best thing in my life. Because I, I, really, I really felt the pressure of it. And, uh, it must have been, yeah. It was fantastic, yeah, to, be, you know, to have the whole, the, the whole county was over the moon. And uh, we came from nowhere to win it in many ways, but a lot of hard work had gone in with a lot of my colleagues. And... Uh, some of them are no longer with us, like Shawnee Leary you now and people like that. So great to look back on it and we had a fabulous time, actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, we were trying to look back and, and figure out, was there many players from when you retired? Did you coach any of them when you came back in, in 95? Did you have that overlap? Yeah. Or was it a very young when I start, when my, my first year involved with Cork Seniors, a couple of players I had played were still around. Jim Cashman was there. You Most didn't retire McCann, no? I did. I tried to retire him, but he wouldn't go. <laughs> <laughs> He wasn't easy to get rid of. He went himself, in fairness. Tomas was coming to the end of his career anyway. Yeah. And uh, Jim Cashman was around. Teddy McCarthy, Lord Mercy, mm. passed away recently. So sadly, at a young age, Teddy was still around. But they were all coming to the end of their careers. 
and it wasn't a big decision for me. They were they were kind of moving on themselves, really. Yeah, which made it easier for me. Yeah, I can imagine that wouldn't have been an easy conversation to have with players you would have soldiered with. What was it like then, coming back later on in 2010? Because as you mentioned, you were involved with that Cork minor team in 94, 95. You had an idea of the talent that was there. Day one under 21 All Irelands in 97, 98. When you take over again in 2011. It was a young team again, but perhaps the underage heritage wasn't there. No, we didn't have that backup of talent that we had when I took over the first time. So was the same pressure there again when you came back? Uh, it's certain pressure, yeah. But I, you know, at that stage, I was more used to it. Um, sometimes I look back and honestly, I regret coming back that time because I, I often wonder why I did it. I, I came back because I love hurling and I love going to the matches. And and when you're asked to do it, and you, the temptation is there. And I remember saying to somebody recently, it's like it's like a bit of a drug when you get involved in it. It's hard to walk away from it because when you're managing in Cork, it's, there's a lot goes with it. People talking to you about it. It's a big, high-profile job in Cork, and uh, you know there's a temptation to do it. But uh, as I said, sometimes I regret it because you know it's, unless you win something at the end of the day, you feel you, you're a failure in Cork, really. And we didn't manage to win another. We got to a final and we were beaten in a replay, which was great for the. They were great lads and they gave us everything, but we just fell barely short. It- does, does the regret feel less significant as time has gone by and you've had time to digest your years as Cork manager? Or, or was that, is that something you still feel? Do you still feel that regret? Yeah, maybe I, I, maybe I felt I should have left it to somebody else. That they're, right. you know, Sometimes you think maybe, you know, get, you get, maybe I'm the only one that can do this and you're not really. There's plenty can do it. And uh, you know, we've gone close over the last couple of years and I'm really excited about Pat Ryan taking over now because the under-21 players are coming through and we've got a very good base of talent there. And I'm, I'm really expecting big things next year and the year after. Did you think it was a successful period? Did I? Yeah. Reasonably. Yeah. Yeah. We, were, we had a great like, bunch of players, but we were just lacking that final X factor maybe to get us over the line. And we got to another and final and we were beating a replay, which was fantastic. And uh, you know, all credit to Claire, they, they were just a bit better than us on the day, I think, in the replay. It, it's probably a hard thing to think about right now, but had things gone differently in those two games against Clare, particularly the, the first day out, do you think Cork could have had a potential to go on and win another couple of All-Irelands before the, the behemoth from Limerick came along? Yeah, I think so. Uh, an All-Ireland an All final win gives you a massive credit. It gives the players huge confidence. I mean, we have a couple of players still playing who were there in my time, 2013. Patrick Horgan is there, Shimmy Harnady, and great lads. And uh, I'd be heartbroken for them if they don't win an All-Ireland in their career. And, uh, you know, as time goes on, it gets difficult. But um, if you win an All-Ireland, I'm trying to, the point I'm making, as you said, is that it gives you great credit and gives you a break for a couple of years, the same pressure as none of those players. So, I mean, I think back to my own football career, for example, we lost the Munster final in Parky Keeve. Literally, you know, we were, if any team were ever robbed, we were that day. And I'll go to my grave thinking a generation of Cork footballers lost out because of that. Is that 76? 76, yeah, against Kerry. Uh, can you fill us in? How were you robbed? Well, it's, it's a long time ago. It's a lifetime ago now. <laughs> I mean, people are bored. People here weren't even born. But uh, we were leading by three or four points and uh, we got a perfectly good goal to slow by Declan Barron. No reason whatsoever. Couldn't have, no one to this day can tell me why he was this low. That was a three-point taken off us. And Kerry were awarded a goal at the other end. The referee and the umpires and their wisdom had judged Brian Murphy to have been over the line. Quite clearly, plainly after to see for everybody, it wasn't over the line. And that was another three points that Kerry got. So I saw, I, we watched the Lake Regale during the week. 
Yeah. yeah. No, I'll, I'll admit it was, it was a bit of a joke, yeah. It was. Like, it was really... That's <laughs> putting it mildly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I go to my grave regretting that win because we had a great bunch of players and playing Kerry, who were a super team, and they went on to win yeah. all, many more learns. I think we'd have won a couple if we had... Well, that team had got that monkey off their backs against Kerry that day. You'd won in 73... And then you win a Munster in 74. Right. Do Kerry win at 75? So it's, it's that kind of, yeah. Exactly, that's it. So Over a long career, these things are going to happen. And uh, I don't bear any ill will now at this. If I do think of it now and again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell. You can tell, Jimmy. <laughs> I, wake, I, wake, I, wake, I wake up every morning thinking about a certain <laughs> halfly referee. <laughs> <laughs> Never forget yeah. it, 2013. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I'm not a bitter person, really. Oh, you can tell. <laughs> but you know what? Isn't that the, the fine lines of sport? And I suppose that's yeah. part of the drug as well. It's, it's those fine lines. And, yeah. If you, you hang, if you hang around long enough, you're going to suffer some of those yeah. <laughs> slings and arrows, aren't you? Yeah. You know. Well, we may as well talk about that era then and, and that football team. Like, did you feel that Kerry were getting the rub of the green with the officials? What was, like, it, it did seem that there was a lot of roughing up going on from, I, I think, in the Lake Regale that Tommy mentions. I think it's Gerard Power and Jimmy Deanahan and, that they mentioned in commentary. Like, who, who was marking you during that era? And <laughs> would you say they were, they were nice people to deal with? Well, they're, they're, nice, they're very nice fellas off the field. <laughs> they weren't too nice to be marking them. I was marking Jimmy Deanahan all those couple of years. It was, right. it was different rules, different... <laughs> different times and uh, they got, they got, you get away with a lot more than you get away with no, does it put it that way. What sort of stuff were they doing? Ah, she, she watched the videos. Yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to documenting it here tonight. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it's History Channel now anyway. Say it again? It's History Channel now. Yeah. The History Channel, yeah. Fortunately would, for me. Would you get away with it more in football than you would in Hurling? Absolutely, yeah. The hurling was totally different. Well, at least you've got to keep a hurling in your hand when you're marking a fella. Mm. He couldn't be doing all the things. <laughs> he couldn't do all the things that they were doing to me. <laughs> you know, that's why hurling was always more enjoyable, I suppose, from a player's point of view. And did you always find that? Being blessed, being able to play both sports, that hurling was more enjoyable. Well, I love both. I love playing giddy football, but I preferred hurling because of that factor. Yeah, yeah you had the stick. Yeah, the skill factor was easier to apply, yeah. and it wasn't as easy for defenders to... Back get, a, get a hold of you. Yeah. You know. And that was, was that as simple as that when it came to the decision then in 1980 to, to step away from football? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I, was, I wasn't enjoying it as much as I should. I spoke to Billy Morgan about it and uh, I just, it was a hard call. I, I hated leaving the car football scene. And uh, I always remember I was down the park three years later when Tyg Murphy got that last minute goal against Kerry and I'd love to be on the field. I'd have given anything to be on the field. So you can't stay around forever. I know. Yeah. Much as you'd like to. You said similar in 86 after retiring from the Hurling. Did you, or 87, did you regret it after the Tipperary bet them in the Munster final replay that? Yeah. At the time, it's, it's a very, very difficult call. For I was players. 33 in 86, I was yeah. at them playing since 73. I was just tired of it all, really. Yeah. Um, again, this fierce longing to hang on, and I'm Moss and lads always slacking me, should give another year and all this, but I really had my mind made up, and we beat Galway, and I just thought it was time to go. Yeah. I do look back at it, the following year in Derrick Clarny. Of course, you'd love to be out there, but there's an awful lot of hard work goes into me out in the Munster final than, than just playing, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I just had tired of it all, really, at that stage. I'd say winning, though, and those days in the, the three in a row in the 70s, like, that must sustain you, like, that feeling, that, that elation. Yeah, well, I must say, if you were to ask me tonight about certainly what, what sustains you, I mean, when Cork, when Cork win All-Ireland, uh, 
There's nothing like it. Uh, I, I, you know, I'll go to my grave, ever grateful to the Cork people for the support they gave me anyway as a player and as manager. Because when Cork won, you know, you come back to Cork on a Monday night, it really is nothing like it for a Cork man. And uh, I remember even talking to Roy Keane over the summer there about that. He mentioned that to me, that he said, there's absolutely nothing like seeing Cork in Croke Park on our final day. And the same for me, but as a player, coming back to Cork on the Monday night, that makes everything worthwhile. And I was lucky enough to do it a few times. Yeah, yeah, a few times. Fair play. Yeah. Good few times. Hold <laughs> <Good> on, Jimmy. <clears throat> it's interesting when we go back and chart through some of the people that you've worked with, either as a coach or as a player, just the greats of Cork that you've worked with, and probably there are a few greater than, than Christy Ring, who obviously came in as a member of the selection committee when you were a player. Um, first of all, just what was he like to, to work with as, as a hurler? Did you get a good idea of his hurling philosophy? Was, was he a big influence on, on you personally uh, throughout his time on that selection committee? Well, you see, it was, as I said, uh, it was a different year in the sense of the manager and coach became a big factor as from that time on. It wasn't such a big time, big factor. He was a huge figure in Cork hurling. And when I was growing up, um, there was only one man in Cork that we ever referred to as the greatest eight All-Ireland medals on the field of play. And he was an iconic figure around Cork City and County with both the Glen and Cork, obviously. Extraordinary record. And I, I got in, I was, he came on as a selector then in 76 with Cork. I was only a young lad, obviously. Started up my hurling career. And his influence on the team was absolutely phenomenal. There's no question or doubt about that. He was a figure revered by all the players, but we were all very much in awe of him because he was a very stern figure, but very, very tough. But he, was, he had a total obsession with Cork hurling. Nothing else mattered to him, in particular playing Tipperary and Kilkenny. They were the teams that he, when we were playing them, he was a, he was a different animal completely. Really? He was incredible in the dressing room but he when, just... when we were playing those teams. It, was just, it seemed to get to him that they were the teams in his era that he always wanted to beat, and he felt Cork people were always measured by those counties, and particularly playing, playing those. He was, he was an incredible man, and he had a huge influence on our couple of years that won All-Ireland. There's no question about that. And was it, was it banging tables? Was it, was no, no, not really. No, he spoke. When he spoke, he didn't speak very often, but he had an aura about him that when he spoke, you listened to what he had to say. And he had, he had a couple of occasions where he spoke to the team and it was electrifying, really, to be honest about it. I found it inspiring. And uh, no, there was other people involved with him, of course, but he was, the, he was the main man in that we looked and I felt he had a huge presence in us winning those All-Irelands. There's that brilliant image, I think it's from 1978, it's an iconic one, I think you've said before you've signed that image more than <laughs> any other, yourself and Christy Ring, and he's pulled you aside for a chat, I think, before a big game. Was that something he'd do? He'd pull different players aside, have a little word with them? Yeah, I, I was, look at that photograph, was taken on Park Heave, training for the Monster Final against Clare, and it's, honestly, if I got a tenor for every time people say to me, what was he saying to you? I've told about 50 different stories anyway. So. <laughs> but I'll tell you the real story now tonight. <laughs> he, was, he, was, he was giving me a proper dressing down, actually, in a nice way, because he pulled me and he said that I wasn't playing to my potential. I was playing football and hurling and I was cruising through matches. And if we were to win another All-Ireland, I needed to literally pull my socks up. And it, it, it was a bit of a dressing down, to be honest, you know. Oh, you were listening anyway. I, was put, I put it as nicely as that. Okay. Okay. I was listening, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was it. He, he, he had a big effect on me. That, that, that chats like that with people in general. He did quite a bit of that. And would you have brought that into your own management, that sort of a style? Or, or how were you as a manager? Uh, like, we were listening to Shinogue there. And You'll have to ask other people that, really. I mean, yeah. I can't. I was just myself. I tried to inspire great team spirit, I think. All the great teams, 
one thing you've got to have is morale has to be right. You've got to treat the players with respect. Um, always try to treat them as adults. And a lot of issues go on in players' lives, in GA particularly, or any where they're, you're combining a lot of them now are going to college or they're doing work roles you've got to respect that try and work with them if people have difficulties try and get around that but the main thing I always try to generate and make sure we had uh, that team morale and team spirit was right and I think you get that by treating people properly be as honest as you can obviously there are players out there you've got to let off teams and panels over the years I had to do that as well and it wasn't a very nice experience and mm. you do it as honestly I think and as fairly as you can and if you can look back and say you treat them with respect and you let them go because as you thought was the right thing to do and obviously I made mistakes and uh, I'd be the first to admit that but um, that's the main thing I would do as a manager I tried to generate team spirit and respect for the players who were working with me What did you find was the most satisfying thing of being a manager at, at inter-county level? Uh, winning Yeah <laughs> You know yeah. Really I mean you, you're managing Cork the, at the end of the day the expectation is Munster title and all earned final and uh, that's the reality of it anything else is is, is failure really in Cork as far as I'm concerned you know and well, I was part of it yeah for sure I, I, I guess as well when you look at the team in the, the mid to late 90s and then the 2010s you had a lot of young players yeah. I guess seeing them grow and develop it seemed from the outside looking in that that was something that really attracted you to the, to the projects in, in both of those eras well I, I, knew that I knew a lot of them since they were 15 or 16 so it, it, it's, it's much easier for a manager to, uh, and I think in, in GA it's much easier to manage a younger group of players um, older players are difficult, more difficult to manage they have more demands they want they're more demanding of you they're not prepared to sit on the bench as long as a younger player would be to get his opportunity maybe and you know you've a lot of situations like that develop over the years and I always found that's the reality younger players will accept um, a bit of time on the bench to wait to get their breakthrough maybe Well I think in 99 famously Brian Corcoran was the only man who was married in that team that won the All-Ireland Was that Yeah I think that's right yeah So Yeah that's right I thought about that yeah. So it made life very easy for me <laughs> <laughs> they, were, they were very easy to manage <laughs> They had, a few night, they had a few nights in Reardon, sorry, but other than that, we couldn't, we couldn't, we couldn't live. I wasn't hearing any stories back then. You know. it's, it's interesting because there's a bit of a parallel there between that and, and maybe between what, what your own son is doing at the moment. Obviously, he's moved away from senior management and he's running the academy with Manchester City at the moment. Do you see that same satisfaction in him when he's working with, uh, with the academy over there and, and seeing these, these people grow in, in, into either top-class senior professionals at Manchester City or, or bringing their careers elsewhere? Well, I think it's a big factor for Brian. He's got to, um, he's manager of the academy team, so he's got to work with those players. Obviously, the plan is to try and get them through to the first team, but it's a hugely demanding scene because, you know, the money these clubs can spend on buying in players as well then, so... It's got, you've got to be really exceptional talent to make it through to their first team and a couple have done that obviously over the last few years but they, you've, you're also Brian has said this to me you're also dealing with players' futures and that you're bringing them through but the reality is they'd probably go on to play with other clubs and have a career somewhere else so you know it, it's a similar situation in many ways There's a bit of a, a political situation to it almost is there in, in terms of I guess dealing with players knowing that they might not wear the, the Manchester City jersey eventually Yeah exactly whereas like the, it, that's a multi-multi-billion yeah. pound business nowadays so mm-hmm. it's totally different world to GA the only similarity is you're trying to bring young players through to have uh, huge careers hopefully for them and try and get them to, to live a lifestyle that's, that'll be beneficial for themselves and present a good image and you know we've seen a lot of instances lately where there are huge issues in relation to certain players having off-field issues and it creates a massive uh, life 
difficulties for these players. They earn massive amounts of money. And I, I, I wasn't talking to Brian about this, but I know from reading myself that it, it can create a terrible situations for them outside of football. And uh, some of them don't handle it very well and it, it ends up in a tragic situations. Mm. Um, Brian obviously built an unbelievable career for himself, like going through the, the lower leagues in England and working his way up into management and, and now at Man City. Looking on from back home, would you would that have appealed to you, that sort of a sporting career that Brian went through, his own journey? Well, I think it's great. I always encouraged him. He didn't. He, he was a very much his own man anyway. He, wanted to, he played thoroughly in football at a young age. He played soccer then with Cork City under Dave Barry, who you're meeting mm. later on, and he had a great career with them. Got capped for Ireland at under 18, under 21 level. And then he went off to England to Preston North End under David Moyes. And, uh, but if, from an early age, he's, he has said this himself. He knew he wasn't going to be playing in the Premier League. He wasn't going to be a Roy Keane or Dennis Irwin, he said. And he went away and he forged his career, did his coaching badges, got all the coaching badges that think you can get up to the UEFA Pro League, whatever it is. He got that. And then he got a job with Man, ended up with a job at Man City. So yeah. that's the career he, Patty has taken and they're very proud of that really you know yeah you can imagine the perspective he can give those younger players as well from where he's at like what he's gone through throughout his careers is fantastic so well done to him and best of luck I had a question uh, for you about your own soccer career um, I know you played a bit in Edinburgh and Cork and was, was the club Wilton Wilton yeah, yeah. Wilton, yeah. yeah. There's, there's a line here on the Bars website and now I don't know if this is how factually true this is but we were going to talk about the ban with Dave Barry a little <laughs> later and there's a line hidden away on the Bars website um Jimmy Barry Murphy, a promising soccer player in his school days, experimented with the garrison game for a few months and as a consequence <laughs> was omitted by the selectors until restating his first allegiance to the club. That was around 1971. Did that happen? Total fabrication. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever you want, but could you give, give me the name of Spitter Road? I'll give you the off air. It's totally untrue. I was, I was playing in the, against Lynn Rovers actually in under 21 final in Bannonlock. Uh, for the only time in my career I got sent off I got involved with a let out the Glen Dave Connie we know well and uh, we, had a, we had a bit of a coming together as they put it so I, I got sent off he didn't and uh, <laughs> <laughs> so for my, for my misdemeanours I was suspended for three months so I wasn't playing any GA in that three months anyway so whoever wrote that wanted to do a bit of research <laughs> we'll correct them so <laughs> <laughs> But I was, I was actually playing my local club, Wilton United, and I managed to get a couple of goals in the FA Youth's Cup match. And Cork Celtic came to me and asked me what I'd sign. I did. It was around November. Or, so there was no GA and I was suspended anyway. So I went off and played for three or four months. I loved it. We so had a great it? time. We had a great yeah. time with it. They were a great bunch of lads and I absolutely loved it. Yeah. Great. We were kind of having a chat off air about kids nowadays trying to balance all different sports and, you know, the amount of... Um, unbelievable options I suppose that are there from athletics and the quality of coaching and football and soccer and hurling and rugby right now it's probably a little more difficult nowadays to play as many sports would you still encourage it? I would encourage it totally. I think it's fantastic to see kids playing all different sports. And I've said this a million times I wouldn't care what sport they play once they're out enjoying themselves and there's so many terrible distractions in life nowadays for young people. I think sport is fantastic and I think that whether they're whether they're playing the A team or the C team or the D team, it wouldn't worry me. They make great friends. It's great career guidance and it's fantastic life choice. I think to play different sports. Yeah, so true. Yeah, very true. It, it's something we're probably going to get into later on with our panel, but it does seem that in Cork in particular, there maybe it's not so much a whole pile of joined up thinking, but it does seem that there's a lot of encouragement of, of kids to play a wide range of sports that you do often see either a prodigy coming through at, at Munster and he's played hurling with Cork or whatever it may be. Yeah. There's a lot of people who, who try their hand at, at multiple different things and succeed at a fairly high level. 
Yeah, we've had a couple of hurlers, as you said, and footballers playing hurling and football. And, you know, Simon Zebo played football and hurling under Age of Black Rock. We've had now Ben O'Connor from the bars in the Munster Academy. He's gone and played Munster. Best luck to Ben. He's a great lad and mm-hmm. I hope he's a great career. We lost another player around 2012, Darren Sweetenham, who was from West Cork. And Darren was... Uh, went to a rugby playing school Bandon Grammar School I think but he was a brilliant hurler and we brought him into the Cork team played senior with us but then Munster came calling again and he went off and uh, you couldn't blame any player for that it's a fantastic offer to get to go uh, pursuing your life's dreams in sport on a professional level so anyone you couldn't turn that down really you know yeah of course when it comes to your own coaching at the moment you're obviously still stuck in with, uh, with the bars at underage level right yeah is there going to be a future for you where you where you look at the intercounty game again at, at senior level or even at underage and, and try and get back in there or uh, no, is that my, period done at this point? No, my race is right now, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> that ship is well sailed. It, it, I had my time now and that's it really. Someone else knows doing it and I wouldn't even dream of it now. Is intercounty management now different to how you left it in, in 2015, do you think? Has it moved on that much? I don't think it's moved on that much. It's just that it's pretty much uh, hugely time-consuming. You've got to make massive sacrifices to do it. And the players are making huge sacrifices, so you've got to do it. And uh, as I said already, we've seen what Limerick standard they've got to, and we've got to try and match that. So, But I don't think it's hugely different in any way in that sense. No, it's, uh, it, it, it's definitely... It, there's some talk about it having reached this sort of high watermark. What's the next evolution in, in hurling, do you think? Do you think it's just Limerick get knocked off the perch? And yeah, everything goes in cycles. Yeah. I mean, I think, as I said already, Cork have had a great couple of years on their age level. Ben O'Connor's doing the under-20s. He's doing a great job. Pat Ryan has done a great job already with the, with the under-20s. Now he's a senior manager. And I guarantee I really will be surprised, and I won't be surprised. Be, I think I'll be very hopeful for next year. And I think the Cork hurling situation looks very bright. Jimmy, can we go back to your playing days? When you, you mentioned when you retired later on in, in 86, there was a tiredness there and maybe a mental fatigue. When you were at the height of it and you were winning, um, you were still playing with the Cork Senior Footballers, you were winning All-Irelands with the Cork Senior Hurlers. You had Club All-Ireland success with the bars and boat codes. Were you just loving life then, or was there a relentless relentlessness to it, or like was it difficult back then playing all of that? Not really. I, did, I loved every minute of it. Was I the was, commitment I levels was, like they are now? So. I, well, I suppose I was always very committed. I, 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 I'm personal. I liked a few points. I didn't uh, live a Spartan lifestyle or anything like that. But I had a, I had a great career thanks to my club. Um, you know, hurling and football and same with Cork. It was a, it was a, it was a. I had a ball really from week to week. I loved every minute of it. I never regretted a minute of it. And uh, looking back, I wouldn't do a thing differently. Yeah, you know, it was just a great time to be playing hurling football with Cork. And I said already, I put on the record, um, I, I, my work career and all that, I think, was greatly helped by playing with Cork. People gave me great support, and uh, I never left Cork. I just stayed around all my life, and I'm one of those boring people, I suppose. <laughs> Don't know if people say that now, Jimmy. <laughs> the the one thing I noticed as well, the the gold celebrations were they knocked out of you early on? There was uh, iconic hands in the air when you scored goals in the early days. Did somebody tap you on the shoulder and say to let that go? No, I just got a bit of sense. I think I got older. <laughs> just I don't know. Big, big head when I was about 19. I, I, th- th- I thought I was the bee's knees. I think we could do with a bit more of that. In the <laughs> no, I didn't stop celebrating at all. No, no. Yeah. When it comes to picking up a hurley, I've heard you say in interviews recently that that's not something you've done too often ever since you did walk away in 86. No, I haven't, no. I've never picked up a hurley since. I think to, to some hurling people, that they find that, that strange that they don't pick up uh, the hurley afterwards. That a, that a couple of the, the, the recently retired or, or not so recently retired people have to have a puck around. Not, not one temptation ever to, to, to pick it back up. No, I don't really, know. Do you not? No. <laughs> I didn't see any point. I was finished. <laughs> 
it, it, it's interesting because you're obviously get, getting so I much out of the coaching. I don't see the fascination with it either. Yeah. Because, you know? yeah. like, I, I don't know, like, Mike Frank Russell, the Kerry footballer, still talks yeah. about going down to Lawn Rangers with a, a bag of footballs and that's his release. And he's, oh, yeah, yeah. I think Mike's in his, his late 40s at this stage now. I'm just going to lock tomorrow and pluck a few balls. So. <laughs> <laughs> might, might do me good. You obviously get your release elsewhere then, do you? Uh, it's not about that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure where this is going. <laughs> I'll backtrack so. <laughs> uh, there, there was one other moment from uh, the career that we, we did want to talk about, and uh, maybe it'll get a, a similar reaction. It is uh, the goal against Galway and uh, the, oh, yeah. the, the flick of the wrist. I, I, is that the goal or the score that you get asked about the most? It is, yeah. Lots of people have said it to me, yeah. Um, Look I, again. I, I don't want to be playing this down, but it's, it was an All Ireland final. We got I got a goal. So what? I mean, we, we lost the All Ireland final. I was captain. I'd much prefer to get a goal in the final and win the All Ireland. It was great to have it. And people look at it and say it was a great goal and all that. But phew, honestly, I don't see any big deal about it. <laughs> I, I don't mean I'm not being overly modest. I don't. Yeah, that's that's interesting because like, is it just due to the fact that? You didn't win the All-Ireland that year. Had you won the All-Ireland, would, would you have been like, yeah. unbelievable goal 100%. and helped us win? I'd have given anything to get a goal. I, I, yeah. I was captain for two years in a row. I had the unfortunate distinction of captain the losing team for twice. So it's not, it's, it was a tough year for me personally in that sense. And I was playing great hurling up to the semi-final, got a great goal, but I had a poor final. So as far as I'm concerned, it was, it was a bit clouded by that, you know? Yeah. yeah. You spoke before about making a mistake and mentioning that you were asked in one of these <laughs> interviews, what, what, what would you like to do? Like you'd already won a couple of All-Irelands yeah, and you said... Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Captain Cork, of course. But what you're supposed to say, yeah. you know, that was the object just rattled it off and it became a millstone around my neck then when I was captain. And was that a thing? Were people, were people talking about it a lot in the 80s that you were. I, I did love to have done it, obviously, Tomas. Later on, he did it, of course, and yeah. a lot of my colleagues did it. Unfortunately, it wasn't for me, but if you hang around long enough, I suppose you're going to have disappointments. Yeah, of course. Yeah. When it comes then, and I think we probably touched on this a little bit earlier on with regards to. The, 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 the dual game, I guess. Uh, from your perspective, is that era completely gone with uh, Gaelic games, obviously? Oh, yeah, uh, it's, it's completely gone at a county level. No yeah. chance of anyone doing that now ever again. What Lord of Mercy and Teddy McCarthy yeah. won. He won two all-earns in two weeks, you know. So, I mean, he was a great player and that's unfortunately passed away tragically lately. So that's, that's not going to happen again because the, the, the schedule wouldn't allow it. You can barely do it at club level, not to mind, yeah. mind inter county. Absolutely. You know. Which is a pity, I think, because it was great. We had some great dual players in Cork, like Brian Corcoran and, you know, Ray Cummins and all these lads. And, uh, you know, it's a shame the Shawlock will help in other ones. It's a pity, but that's the way life is. And the, the competitions, the seasons have changed. And I, and I guess it's probably one of these things that even when it did happen, it was still an incredible feat. There was still a, a huge degree of professionalism around these teams, even in the 20th century. So yeah, it's interesting even just to get your perspective on what Teddy achieved and, and how incredible it was to do what he did. Yeah, I mean, it's extraordinary. You know, the story that goes around that something from Clare walked into a pub in Blackpool and said, we're out to win two all earns. And we, and we said, fell in the pub, said, Teddy Mac won two of them in two weeks. <laughs> You know, it's, it's a great story. <laughs> Teddy loved telling himself as well. Uh, how, how would, uh, for, for you and for him, how were those weeks split up? Was it, was it, a, a, like, was it easy to do at the time? Was it just the way it was? Or were, were you missing sessions from, from one, of the, one, one of the teams? Again, it's just like everything else. When you're winning, yeah. you're, one week rolls into the next and it's easy to do it when you're winning. 
yeah. And uh, I, found, I found hard about playing hurling football was when, when you were playing football in the Munster final against Kerry and you got hammered yeah. and you were the Munster hurling final falling 10 days later or 40 later. It was hard to come back from that, you know, because you, you're on a bit of a downer, but uh, when you're winning, it's very, very easy, I always found. Yeah. It was never a problem. Did it make a difference to you in 99 when Brian Corcoran decided that he was just going to focus on hurling that year? That did it made a huge difference, yeah. At print for himself, he, he had a phenomenal year. I mean, I remember saying at one stage that if, if we were to win all Ireland at that time with Brian, um, we'd need Brian to be man the match in every game. And uh, amazingly, he was. You know, he was a fantastic player for Earlier us. Earlier the year, uh, of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. He, well, he was player of the year and he was player of every match for us. And he was our leader and he was fantastic. You know? And did he really come to that conclusion himself that he needed to step away from the football? You weren't tapping him on the shoulder? No, I didn't say a word. He just said it himself. He knew what he was finding. He was finding it hard. Same as you. I, I had found myself a previous time, you know, and uh, yeah. it just was becoming more difficult for him and his, his form had suffered a lot. He, say, he did say that to me, that his form had gone back and off that and he needed to give a one go at hurling and uh, luckily enough I was the manager when he was doing it. Yeah. It's a pity really, like it's, it's hard to see how we can make it work for, for dual players. It can't uh, work nowadays. There's so many issues with the calendar and... No, it can't work playing, like, yeah. yeah. And players in my own club there, they find hard to play both games, so how could you do it at the county level? Yeah. Uh, there's one last question I had, uh, Jimmy Barry, and it just came from what you were talking about earlier on about Christy Ring and uh, his role in that team in the, the 70s as as a member of that selection committee. I, I was just wondering, what was the position that you enjoyed playing the most? Because I know in, in 76 he was pivotal to pushing you into centre forward yeah. late in that game, right? Yeah, I loved playing foot forward. It was the only position I ever, I ever wanted to play, and I never I hated playing on the half forward line. I was never a great runner, and I, did, I hated all the hard work I could do. <laughs> <laughs> It didn't kill myself out there and I always want to be near to goal. I found it easier. <laughs> you love scoring goals as well. I'd love scoring goals, yeah, I did yeah. indeed. Yeah. <laughs> There's I did. some players like that. They, you just know, like, Colin Cooper, I think, always taught goal first when he got the ball. He always wanted to create a goal. That's probably something we're lacking a little bit in. Yeah, and John Fitzgibbon playing with Cork. John Fitzgibbon said one day he was interviewed many pines. He said, I only do goals. <laughs> you know, was, he was good at it too. Yeah. You know, so no, it's great sense. It's nothing like scoring a goal when you're playing for Cork and Cork crawled behind the goal. It's just magic, isn't it? Like, I loved it. Yeah. You know. And you scored plenty of them as well. So. No, yeah, yeah. Nothing for us at times. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, are you optimistic for the future of Cork GEA? I am very, yeah. I am. The hurling, Both codes. hurling scene is very promising. Footballers made good strides this year, but it's a long way back to where Kerry and Dublin are at. So we've bit to go, but uh, John Kerry's done a good job. But uh, I think they're making good progress. But the hurling is really—I'm really excited about the hurlers next year. I, I don't want to build it up too much, but I really am. I think this—I think, I think I'll be saying we've got to earn one on a minute when I'm after three points. It's, it's, <laughs> is, I'll be heading for Patrick Street. <laughs> is that more your Cork bias speaking through, or do you think that? Teams are getting closer to Limerick. No, I'm quite, uh, at this stage of my life now, I'm quite detached from having rose-tinted glasses, I think. I know Cork are coming. They have a lot of very good young players. I saw a lot of potential there last year. And uh, I think that next year will be a big year for us. Okay. I guess the brutality of the Munster Championship means that you get knocked out so early in the summer and you're kind of out of yeah. sight, out of mind. It's a killer, yeah. That's that round robin group is tough. And, but you've got to... I was talking to one of the Cork players and uh, he, I said we were unlucky. We could have got there, yeah. But at the end of the day, Jimmy said we only won one game. And, you know, you get what you deserve, I suppose, really, yeah. at the end of the day. Had yeah. they got out of that group? We would have developed a lot this year, I yeah. thought. I was really hoping for that. That's, we went down to Limerick to play Limerick, and it was a game we could definitely have won, but a couple of small things went against us, and they probably were just that bit better on the day. And I think that if we had won that game and got into the quarter final of Ireland, I really think we would have had a big part to play this year, and I'm hoping that's what will happen next year. Yeah. Where's Liam going next year? Pardon? Where's Liam going next year? Oh, we'll wait and see now. Yes. <laughs> I'm not falling for that one tonight. <laughs> <laughs>
listen, Jimmy Barry, it's been absolutely fantastic spending some time in your company. Thanks a million for, for coming out to, to spend time with us this evening. Jimmy Barry Murphy, everyone. Thanks. Thanks, Jimmy. Thanks, lads.